0: Welcome to another episode of Axe the Blood God, U.S. Gamers' official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford.
1: Hello, Cat. I just want you to know that I got my Final Fantasy XIV Wyvern the other day and I named him Grindy. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> because I can.
0: The never-ending debate. Somebody said recently that we agree too much, Nadia, but I think that we fundamentally disagree on this point.
1: Yes, I actually did get a DM from a listener. Thank you very much. They brought up a very interesting point that Kat and I should have more sequences where we disagree with each other. And I was thinking, well, we disagree with each other all the time. But no, I think just last week was a, an outlier. Like, we usually mostly agree. Although you, you did dump really hard on Paper Mario, and I was like, no, Paper Mario's cool. So there there was that, at least.
0: The, uh, our listeners do not see our epic falling out over Dragon Quest Builders too.
1: that was a that was one for the books that was that wasn't just me that was like the whole team versus you and you you just stood there like a statue he took it
0: you you act like everybody was on your side we were split katie was on my side and when katie is on my side then i am on the right side of history (laughs) (laughs) katie's opinion is worth probably 10 of my opinions when our when our opinions align on things that I know, I'm like, yes, I am absolutely right, because Katie is agreeing with me.
1: Katie is like controversy personified, though. She is,
0: and it's great, but she has strong opinions, and she backs them up, and we were both against Dragon Quest Builders 2. But my point is, is that Dragon Quest Builders 2 is a great game, by the way. Don't get me wrong. It is. Uh, but yeah, it got a little nasty in that chat, didn't it? <laughs>
1: It was pretty bad. That was, that was the closest the teams had to a falling out. I think. Yeah. We usually don't, we're usually a pretty well-natured team. We don't fight very often. But that was ooh, that was dark days. The other thing is that you being a
0: Canadian, I think it's natural that most people would perceive that we're agreeing all the time. You're like, oh, I don't know. I, th- I think Cat and I disagree a lot, actually.
1: <laughs> yes. Very. I'm a very mild-mannered Canadian, and any sort of confrontation or or darkening of words makes me kind of cringe internally and try to put things back to rights.
0: You get a Minnesotan and a Canadian on the same podcast, and they're just going to be like, well, I agree with you, Nadia, and I think that you are right. Oh, Kat, yes, I know. You are so
1: right. Yes, that is true. When we do disagree, it's more of a passive-aggressive thing.
0: Yes, or we we internalize it and secretly boil over it. <laughs> there is that, too. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you to everybody for listening to yet another episode of Acts of the Blood God, our RPG podcast. If you're enjoying the show, can I please recommend that you go and review it over on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice? It helps increase the visibility of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford, and all of the U.S. Gamer channels are at U.S. Net uh we're very busy right now planning for a cool little event it's called pgx or uh pax online slash egx digital it's this huge crossover event across multiple uh different continents we've got so much cool things to announce very soon please look forward to that we also have another podcast going right now it's called branching narratives with jeff green and this this past week's episode featured kelly gilmore from cloud chamber which is the studio behind the bioshock revival slash sequel question mark so i really enjoyed listening to her interview because in that interview she talked about how when she was growing up all she wanted to be was an nfl quarterback (laughs) that's adorable i love that and she was so mad when her parents gave her Barbie dolls. I'm like, oh,
1: my God. Oh, I, I thought I light. was the only one. <laughs> my parents gave up on that very quickly. I was not a Barbie doll person. I was more of a... I liked animal dolls. I liked Wuzzles and Popples and all of that. All I wanted were video
0: games. And my parents were like, no, no. It's, no video. I'm like, video games. I Give wanted them a lot to of that, me. too.
1: I wanted all the video games. Every single one.
0: <laughs> anyway, you should go listen to that podcast. We've had a lot of great conversations with people like... Austin Walker and Pete Hines. And we will have a couple more great conversations still to go as we kind of wrap that up. We're also working on a super secret brand new podcast that is going to be announced next month that is going to be hosted by Katie and Mike. And I'm very excited about that one. It's going to be great. We have a newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday, courtesy of Nadia, which you can go and subscribe to on the homepage. Nadia, what was the topic in new- the newsletter this week?
1: Uh, actually, going back to Final Fantasy XIV for just a second, I mentioned how the free trial for Final Fantasy XIV is now absolutely insane. You're talking about 200 hours of content easy because they expanded it, the free trial into the first expansion, which was the Heavensward expansion. And that's all free now, and there's no time limit. As far as I know, There are there are no real caveats to worry about, except I think certain chat functions are obviously restricted and stuff like that but you can really get a whole lot of rpg a whole lot of great rpg for free now and i absolutely love final fantasy 14 so yeah give it a try you have nothing to lose pretty much i think now even like the aura race is unlocked for free like that is that is some crazy stuff right there try
0: this heroine you have absolutely nothing to lose
1: The heroine has a good story, man. Inject it and you get the story at the same time. Well, Imagine injecting heroin and someone's telling you a good fairy tale at the same time. That's Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, you can inject
0: the heroin and you can go meet your wyvern, Grindy. <laughs> I love Grindy. Uh, I, Final Fantasy XIV, don't get me wrong. It has, I'm sure, a great story and there's a lot to commend it. I've certainly put my share of hours into Star Trek Online, which... It's nowhere near as good as Final Fantasy XIV, but I, <laughs> I've, I've had that MMO drug. I've, I've been. Oh yeah. There.
1: Oh yeah. It's it's definitely a drug.
0: It's so time consuming though. Like there's, it's so big. I don't think I can commit to it, Nadia.
1: It is a very very big game, and like like I said, the free uh, trial I have now that actually extends past where I am in the story because I'm not quite at the end of the Dragon Song War. I'm very close, but uh, yeah, that is a. Uh, That is a lot of content. I mean, you can obviously just do the content you want to do but, of course, you get sidetracked. You're like and it's always stupid things. I'm always like I want to dye my armor. Well, the only way I can dye my armor is if I do this quest and I do this other quest and I get these items and I have to grind for some currency to get these items and at at the end of the day I look really cool but it wastes a lot of time. This is a giant time sink. It is. It is. Uh, But if you want to just stick to the main story, it's it's a good story, and it's uh, it cuts out. It, you can just cut out a lot of the crap if you just stick to the main storyline.
0: I did like the baller armor that your Dragoon wears.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love my Dragoon armor. Uh, it's called Dragon Lancer armor, I think, and I dyed it. Uh, I think it's called Dragoon Blue, and it basically looks like Kane Highwind. That's the whole point.
0: The only thing that commends Ghost of Tsushima, in my mind, aside from the graphics, is those armor sets are incredible. They're so beautiful. <laughs>
1: There's a lot to be said for a really cool armor set. There just is. Like that's one thing I really like about also the Dragon Quest 11s version uh, is you can finally glamour your armor. Like you can wear a, a armor that's not really what you're being protected with, so you don't have to worry about your defense and you can just go nuts.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned Dragon Quest 11s because that can allow us to kind of segue into the news for RPGs some of the things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking a lot about next-gen in this episode. Yes. And we're going to specifically be uh, reacting to the Xbox Game Showcase, a lot of the announcements that were happening. And we're going to talk about how can RPGs be better in the next generation. But the first thing I think we need to talk about is Dragon Quest XI. It's coming over to PS4, PC, and Xbox One, uh, Dragon Quest XI the definitive edition. And at first blush, Nadia, that seems like reason to celebrate... But in fact, it is not reason to celebrate.
1: There's always a reason to celebrate Dragon Quest.
0: There is, except when it's a port of a port.
1: Yeah, see, here's the thing about Dragon Quest S, uh, Dragon Quest XI S. What happened was the version that we have on the Switch, I believe, even though it has all that wonderful new content and stuff like that, it had to be built practically from the ground up because um, I don't think the Switch plays well with Unreal Engine 4, which is what it was made in. So, what I thought initially when I heard that Dragon Quest XI S is coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, I thought, oh, that's really cool, we'll get the, this, all the stuff, plus those really gorgeous graphics you had on the PlayStation 4, but no, it turns out that everything is being ported to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and that includes the kind of downgraded graphics, I mean, it's certainly not a bad-looking game. It is definitely one of, if not the best port on the Switch. And Digital Foundry has a side-by-side. It's really interesting if you want to get into it. But some people are really disappointed about the, the graphics. And I understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, I also understand where Squeenic is coming from. Because, um, again, you'll find breakdowns of what they went through to make that port. But it it's just almost impossible, apparently, to separate the code and separate those graphics from the new content. Basically, you get it all, you get nothing. So I would still say if you have not played Dragon Quest XI, um, S is still the definitive edition. I would still get it on Switch because that portability is a huge asset, but play Dragon Quest Eleven. period. That is my sermon for the day. Thank you.
0: It's going to be so confusing for people who are going to see Dragon Quest XI and Dragon Quest XI S. And one of them is going to be like, well, you can either buy the graphics version with the bad soundtrack or you can buy the one with all the (laughs) content, but that's not as good as... With good soundtrack. With worse graphics.
1: Uh, One minor shout out to Dragon Quest uh, XI S here. On the Switch version, you can actually switch it to the Dragon Quest VIII overall theme, which is one of my favorites in the series. So uh, that says something about the, the music for Dragon Quest XI, I suppose. But yeah, that is a little bit confusing. And they also add in all
0: of that extra content uh, for after the big reveal happens. I wish they hadn't added that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> one complaint I have Just get to the I point, God. It. It's um because it's such a shock when I initially played it on the PlayStation 4. And that content isn't there after the twist. So you're just going straight into what happens next. And it's a really, really emotional chapter of the game. But you kind of stop and do everything like all the the additional quests after the the big event that happens and it really does slow things down a bit i like the content i really like the quests, but i really wish they had put it somewhere else so you could even experience it as a flashback if you want to Uh but in the s version you can get married to salvando so um mm-hmm. there you go
0: definitive edition period yeah that's the thing is i think they should have made that content optional like it could have been a really interesting series of side stories where it's like, well, what was everybody getting up to? You can go and enjoy these quests if you want to. Yeah, I agree. And get agree. and get maybe optional cool stuff out of it. I, I love it when I can do a quest and get optional cool stuff out of it. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah, they should have done it that way. But instead, it just feels like, oh, can I? I have to. Can I get through this already? Because I, I want to get to the story. It brought my progress to a crashing halt, and I haven't picked up uh, Dragon Quest Eleven since. Um, what's the name of the old guy in Dragon Quest Eleven again? Uh, Rab. Yeah, I, I did his story, and it was okay. It was fine, and everything. Yeah. But I'm just like, are are we almost done yet? <laughs> i have done like <laughs> four of these at this point
1: oh well, you're almost done you should really push ahead it gets the game gets really good you know i was just
0: thinking just now like literally as i was talking to you i was like man i should pick up dragon quest 11 again but also i've got persona 4 or persona 5 sitting in my closet
1: yeah in your closet what the hell is it gonna do in your closet well it's on my playstation 4 which is Hello, in my closet. cat come play me like in the like in the monkey in the closet and the family guy points at you every once in a while
0: well, I've got a whole bunch of games that I have to play that are not named Persona Five this weekend, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's that that time of year, isn't it?
0: I stupidly volunteered myself to take on this one tactics indie game that I have to play, oh, and write okay. about, I know, and I have to, uh, I have to play some other games for preview, and it's like I just don't feel like I'm going to have a lot of time, and then when it's done, you know, when I'm done. Uh, and I have some spare time lately. I've been either playing Pokemon, mm-hmm. or I've been playing uh, like old games. Uh, for example, um, I've been working on Rondo of Blood because I want to finally
1: beat that game. You know, I have never beaten that game. Uh, it's not my favorite Castlevania by a long shot. I really like it. I think that I don't. I don't know if
0: I can say that it's better. For example, in terms of level design than say the original Castlevania, but i just really adore the the soundtrack and everything and really enjoy great. the the art direction and the bosses are huge and menacing and really fun to fight and like pretty intense and just
1: overall like i i'm just like wow it's what a great experience you know it's a really fun game to go back to if you're a huge symphony of the night fan like myself and you can really see where the the roots of symphony and how we were denied them for so so long to finally go back to them and see what it's all about that's incredibly interesting on my part. But every time I
0: see Symphony of the Night in action, I'm like, I'm reminded again of how beautiful that game was.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's still a, an absolutely gorgeous game. It's one of those games I always go back to, and I never like look at it like, oh god, these, these graphics have aged so badly, because like, no, they're still absolutely beautiful. Okay,
0: let's continue on to the rest of the news. Uh, speaking of uh, graphics that may have aged, but are now looking much better... Uh, so, there was a Nintendo Direct Mini last Monday, and a lot of people were going in with kind of not very high expectations, but uh, RPG fans got a really nice treat, and maybe the biggest of them is the news that Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne is getting remastered, Nadia.
1: Yeah, um, that was an interesting direct because a lot of people, from from judging from my feed, got their hopes up stupidly because. Nintendo made it very clear this is a small thing, or announcing it at the last second, it's not about us, it's about our partners, and everyone still came out with wild speculations that, of course, didn't come true. But for RPG fans, it was a big deal because, yes, we got uh, a remake of Shin Megami Tensei uh, Nocturne, and also we got evidence, concrete evidence, that Shin Megami Tensei V is actually alive. And it has been five years since we heard anything about it. I actually distinctly remember seeing it in the sizzle reel for the... I was at New York City for the the press conference about the Switch. I was sitting beside Parrish like, oh, cool, Shin Magami Tensei five is coming. So we finally got confirmation that is here or coming in 2021. So, yeah, I think it was an exciting uh, mini direct for, for RPG fans, plus fans of Cadence of Hyrule, of which I am one. So I'm... I'm down I was I was happy
0: well let's start with SMT5 of which we only got a trailer but a teaser trailer but it confirmed that it was coming in 2021 Uh, it's been under development for three years by all accounts when it was announced it was announced very early in its development and so people get really weird about games where they assume that if it drops off the face of the earth and you don't hear anything after its initial announcement that it must be dead. It's like, no, actually, video games take a long time to make, and that goes double for RPGs.
1: They really do. Um, That's still one thing I'm coming to terms with, even in this generation, just the fact that uh, I was thinking about how, you know, I'm playing Super Mario Brothers and thinking, oh my god, it was only like a couple of years between this game and Super Mario 3, and what an advancement it was, and how come games aren't like that anymore? Why don't we get those enormous jumps in such a short span of time? And it's just you can't make games like that anymore. Just games are so much more complicated, so much more expensive. And you, as we will talk about, I'm sure with the Xbox presentation, you just really have to have patience these days. And a lot of people don't have patience.
0: Well, even a game like SMT5, which, you know, isn't exactly Assassin's Creed Valhalla here, Mm -hmm. is a game that is probably going to be 100 hours long and has, you know, so much content that they have to spin up that... It's going to, it takes a long time
1: to make all that. It really does. It's, I kind of have to try to get out of the mindset of, oh, here comes a presentation, I guess we'll hear about Persona 6, because we're not going to hear about anything like Persona 6 for a long time.
0: Well, I mean, if you, to put it into perspective, Persona 5 took a good seven years of development, because... At one point, they completely restarted development because the direction that they were going, they decided that they didn't want to go that direction anymore, which, by the way, thank God, I'm glad they didn't go with an action RPG
1: or whatever. Oh, were they going to go? Oh, yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, it, it was the, the earthquake that took place in, I believe, 2010 that dramatically changed the direction ah. of Persona 5. But even then, it's they still spent a long time making that game. <laughs> And what we got oh, yeah. was ultimately really good, but well, sh- I remember the wait was long. So, all right, the teaser
1: trailer. Uh, what were your takeaways from it, Nadia? Uh, apparently God is dead, but I knew that. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm the- so surprised. Lucifer's, uh, there's a lot of demons. Lucifer says "The God you worship is dead. I have not played Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne myself, and of course I will when the remake comes out but i am hearing that there is a lot of sh- uh, nocturne in this new trailer and mm-hmm. that has people mostly excited because apparently 3 is one of the quote unquote good ones as persona has become more
0: powerful popular powerful and mainstream As usual, there has been a backlash of people going, well, actually, I am a hardcore fan of the series. And (laughs) I don't like your little baby Persona games. I like Shimagami Tensei, you know, the original.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is
0: not to say that, like, there's absolutely nothing to commend uh, SMT. Uh, It's just they are a very different branch of RPG from uh, Persona games. That's fine. I think that there's a lot of like really fascinating stuff about Nocturne, actually. Um, and if you're really willing to engage with it, I think you can find something truly special. And I think the same goes for SMT4, which is just this really sprawling, epic, crazy RPG that I think is split across two parts. And I'd, I think the same will be said uh, for SMT5. Like, it already has that whiff of classical old school smt where you're making the different choices depending on like light or darkness reason or chaos that kind of thing and it's going to be set in a post-apocalyptic tokyo and it's probably going to have a very dense battle system and this there's a big flashing light that says uh for hardcore fans come on in
1: smt5 (laughs) big blinking neon sign it's definitely um, a switchover in terms of the gameplay style. I remember the first, the only SMT I've really played is uh, Strange Journey, and that was a bit of an adaptation because I was so used to Persona. And of course, you recognize a lot of crossover between the two franchises, but definitely different ways of playing. But once you wrap your head around, okay, this is not Persona, this is SMT, I am supposed to do completely different things here, I really started to enjoy myself.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed Strange Journey. I I liked the horror aspects of Strange Journey as you're delving further
1: further and further down.
0: Nocturne is more end of Evangelion. Uh, So it doesn't make sense? Yeah, well, it's more of a (laughs) a mind, mind bleepery.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Where you're just seeing all kinds of crazy imagery and it's delving deep into Gnosticism and world religions and shintoism and religious philosophy and that kind of thing i think with a game like smt5 you just have to be ready to engage with it on its own terms because it's going to be an unapologetically dense and hardcore game it's going to be like the equivalent of an epic russian novel yes. but in rpg form
1: <laughs> and not in russian
0: well it's going to be like reading tolstoy but with demons in tokyo uh, post-apocalyptic tokyo
1: that's that's a pretty cool pitch.
0: Yeah, like I I think that that's like totally cool. Uh I think that there will be a not insignificant number of people who will really dig it. I I will definitely
1: play it. Me too, of course. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to finish it. Yeah, that's the thing. But um I will I enjoy had to it. review
0: SMT4 and I'm still bearing the scars from that
1: experience oh to god. this day. Oh my god. That's terrible. You're still alive? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, uh, well, good for you.
0: The thing with that game was that it was it was a lot of... There was some good story uh, elements, but in some ways it got lost in how dense all of the different systems were. And yeah. Getting completely lost exploring just this labyrinthian Tokyo that was actually kind of obnoxious.
1: <laughs> I have to say, though, Persona 5 does a pretty okay job at least trying to bridge... The series because I think that negotiating with demons is a really good hmm. add to Persona that is a huge part of SMT so I'm glad they incorporated that
0: talking about Nocturne so we've been kind of talking about SMT 5 and Nocturne interchangeably we actually have a big fan of Nocturne on the staff and I might make her review SMT 5
1: oh I didn't know she was a big fan of uh, of SMT uh, at all oh yeah well she was a big Playstation 2 person oh that's up. true that's true yeah. and I wasn't uh, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, she's conscripted. Good news, Katie.
0: <laughs> and Nocturne was one of the games that uh, she played. and I was like, Katie,
1: what do you love about Nocturne?
0: And I was hoping for a really like long and interesting
1: answer, but she just said the art direction. <laughs> uh, that's a good uh, that's a good point. I mean, it, the art's good. I like I like the art. I like the Demi uh, I
0: mean that's as good an answer as any right? It really is. I really like the demi fiend design. I always have. Uh, I mean, certainly, I was watching old videos from Nocturne just the other day, and I think some of the dungeons can get really monotonous uh, Mm -hmm. with that game uh, to the point where you're just like, okay, yeah, I get it. I think the demon art really kind of goes to another level in that game. Yeah. as you get toward the end, it uses a lot of really cool and interesting imagery that once again kind of is evocative of End of Evangelion and stuff like that. I think one of the reasons that people are attracted to SMT, aside from the fact that they're really hardcore RPGs and have a lot, a ton of
1: layered and fun systems, is that they're just interesting to look at compared to a lot of games. They really are. I've complimented the demon designs in SMT and Persona more than once on this show. Uh, obviously, they use a lot of stuff from Jewish mythology. And the way they adapt it, I think, is so, so interesting. Like their adaptation of Lilith. And the dipic, like, I think they do really a really good job, like, kind of embracing the, it is still really weird in anime, but at the same time, it pays a lot of respect to, like, the superstitions and interpretations of those monsters uh, in, in Judaism. It's
0: funny, because we were all kind of wanting a SMT game with a 3 attached to it on Switch, but we were, <clears throat> we were wanting Persona 3, uh, not SMT 3. <laughs> But I I don't think anybody was really thinking about SMT3 outside of the super hardcore fans, which is what makes Nocturne, you know, being ported over and remastered such a pleasant surprise because much like Persona 3, it was one of those games, like more so even, it was one of those games that was locked to the PlayStation 2 and that made it pretty hard to access in a lot of ways. So, and and even if you could access it, it was an SD, like it looked very, very dated, so mm-hmm. to have it completely remastered in HD uh, for a very popular system is wonderful. So now we can play it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually think that the goods, because apparently Persona uh, 4 on PC has had really great sales. And I think that speaks very well to the potential of getting even more of these kinds of ports and stuff on different systems, including the Switch. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but I think it is going to happen.
0: Yeah, I'm never a big fan of just porting, begging for a remaster for the point, for the sake of it. But in this case, I do like it because it means more people are going to be able to play it. Beyond that, I think the Switch is just perfect for a game like SMT3 and SMT5 because it is just one of those systems where you can you know, play for a while, put it down, come back, play for a while, come put it down, come back, uh, listen to podcasts while playing it, whatnot. Could I imagine playing SMT3 under those circumstances? Yes. Yes, I could. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. As you said, there are a lot of games out there that are system locked. And to see them kind of come into the fore, into the modern age, I think that's really good for preservation and for people like myself who kind of missed it out the first time and want to give it a, a a try because, of course, it's a classic game. And we should be able to give it a try.
0: Yeah, SMT3 came out on the PlayStation 2 before Persona 3 and before the series was particularly well-known. Obviously, it's in a much better place in North America now, so this will be a great opportunity for people who discovered the series through Persona 4 or Persona 5 to really delve into the mainline series. I think. Yeah. It's just a shame that Dante won't be in this one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, people are passing around a sticker saying, you know, not featuring Dante from Devil May Cry.
0: No, uh, so it seems to be based on the director's cut, which was called, I believe, Maniacs. Had characters from the Devil Survivor series, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: Uh, something tells me that they are not going to have that character. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna get, who knows, make it a surprise crossover with like, you know, hey, we're adding Mario
0: characters.
1: (laughs) If I were to
0: take a guess at who would make an appearance, I bet it would be somebody from Persona 4 or Persona 5.
1: Oh, easily. Absolutely. But I still want the Mario characters. Like being able to play as like you? Yeah. You. 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 I I would play as Joker because Joker was a cameo in... um... Joker would make a lot of sense,
0: wouldn't they? Yeah. Joker would make a lot of sense. Or just to have the character from uh, SMT5, but nobody really realizes it until later. And then they go, oh, Ooh. my God, it's all connecting. It's coming together. Twist.
1: what a twist. It's that
0: meme where the person is looking at the giant blackboard uh, from Always Sunny. Oh, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> ah, all, the, all of the connections, where are they coming from? I figured it out. All right. So, yeah, SMT3 and SMT5. SMT5 coming in 2021. Very exciting. I'm, I am excited to play these games. Same. Moving on. Let's talk about Xbox's big showcase. Let's talk about some of our takeaways. So there were two announcements, Nadia, that will be relevant to RPG fans. Announcement number one, uh, Fable has been confirmed by Playground Games. Yes. But we know next to nothing about it. It's been under development for at least two years at this point. It was first reported in early 2018 by Eurogamer. It is a title title. At this point.
1: (laughs) It's a title, all it says is fable, a fairy got eaten by a bullfrog, and uh, you saw a castle in the distance, and that's all we really got. I I was a little disappointed. Even if we have to just have a teaser trailer, at least make it a little longer, give us a subtitle or a number or something. Because a lot of people are saying, well, at least the uh, the tittle-tattle is, that this is an MMORPG. That seems to have been debunked. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Uh, But I, I think when people say MMO... What they might actually mean is, so play. it's being developed by Playground Games. Playground Games is the studio behind the Forza series. And if you've ever played Forza Horizon 4, which I am actually a fan of that series. It's gorgeous. Uh, it has really strong online hooks where mm. you'll see avatars or drivatars, as they're called, uh, on, the, on the open world. And you'll have tons of like, oh your friends have been doing this or you can unlock that or whatever you can just race against people on the fly i would not be surprised to see similar online hooks in fable and i think that's what i mean you know dynamic events that kind of thing where people just kind of come into it sort
1: of like destiny light
0: but primarily being a single-player rpg
1: Yeah, God forgive forgive me for saying souls, but yeah, like kind of the same thing going on with Dark Souls where you have uh, those Mm -hmm. little online hooks and avatars and friends like this is what they've been up to and hey, they left you a note.
0: I think that
1: probably
0: Playground Games and Xbox made a mistake not showing more of Fable because there was absolutely nothing to get excited about. Uh, this we've known this game has been around forever so there was no surprise to its announcement they gave us about as much as what we got from the elder scrolls 6 reveal during bethesda
1: mountains and a title and at least we got like a number with elder scrolls 6 i am looking forward
0: to fable but it's not even going to be around till 2022 they're so yeah, easy how can you how can there be any hype around it whatsoever
1: yeah, no, that's my feeling, like, I am excited about a new Fable, um, because Fable is a series that I've wanted to get into and haven't really, in- and I'm just kind of waiting for that hook, and, uh, yeah, I was really hoping, like, if this is the Xbox Game Showcase, you would give me that hook. You are selling your ne- your next-gen system to me, please give me a reason to be excited. And I think the other problem is, Playground Games is an unknown quantity. Yeah, the Forza games are
0: incredible. Of course, like, yeah, I- yeah, Absolutely. I love Forza Horizon 4. It is actually one of the best games of the generation. Certainly one of the like two or three best games to come out on the Xbox One. Maybe definitely. Maybe one of the only reasons to own that stupid thing
1: for <laughs> oh, Xbox. It tries its best.
0: Okay. Don't get me wrong. I've actually been playing my Xbox One a fair amount lately Gasp. because I put Twitch on it and so and I have an Xbox uh, Game Pass. And I downloaded Rare Replay. That's a good that's a good collection. It is an excellent collection. I did not realize how good that collection really was. I, It has cool little challenges within it, and it has such wonderful art direction, and you get a very clear idea of what every single game is about. There's a lot of love put into that There's that a collection. lot of love,
1: and actually when Rare came to Toronto to some event that I was attending, I went up to them and said, Hey, where's Wizards and Warriors? They're like, oh, God, you're like the 50th person to ask that. So that's my only complaint. There's no Wizards and Warriors in the Rare Replay. But where's Goldeneye? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Goldeneye, I understand. But Wizards and Warriors, come on.
0: I have, I was actually playing Battletoads, the classic Battle Toads. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they have, like, a ton of, like, like just videos and trivia facts. And they have the rewind. And, of course, you're going to need that for Battle-freaking-toads. But... Yeah, that's a it's a really good collection. It's definitely if you have an Xbox, definitely pick it up. You will not be disappointed. Even though you kind of go back to those games that the UK team has always they grew up with, and they say it's so much better than Mario. And it's like uh, <laughs> I, I I don't want to say several is bad because it's, it's great, but uh,
0: no. So apologies for that digression. I think Game Pass actually rules. But yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. So from Fable, so the Forza Horizon games, awesome. And I actually expect Playground Games to bring an equal level of polish uh, to Fable. It could be one of the best games on the Xbox Series X, but we don't know. We don't know anything about what a Playground Games made RPG is going to look like. So, I mean, how can you have any excitement if you haven't seen anything, if you don't know anything about it?
1: Yeah, that's very much my point of view. I think the game, when it comes out, it'll be it'll be great, and I'm very much looking forward to it. As you say, Playground does not do things by halves. But for now, it's just well, well. Uh, I guess I'll see you in 2023.
0: Speaking of 2022, uh, Avowed is the new Obsidian RPG, and the words that I think I immediate that immediately comes to mind is Skyrim. Oh, absolutely! I kind of tweeted it with, "Hey, you're finally awake." I mean, that's cool. Uh, oh yeah i saw a lot of people going man i hope obsidian can do for skyrim what they did for fallout 3 which tells me that we were a little bit down on outer worlds on this podcast we're maybe bigger fans uh we were bigger fans of disco elysium we thought you know outer worlds it didn't do anything extremely special ultimately but people seem to have like really kind of Ha- good feelings about that game warm feelings
1: yeah and it definitely has a fan base
0: so i think that those positive warm feelings will be carried into about
1: yeah i'm not expecting something that's actually as huge and sprawling as skyrim but i like the idea of them trying their hand at the formula
0: i i, I expect a huge a much bigger game than what we got
1: from the outer worlds mm, i guess we'll hopefully see soon because that's another game that's like well at least we saw gameplay for that, so that's that's hopeful.
0: Microsoft has that or Obsidian has that Microsoft money now.
1: That is true. I didn't think about that. You're right. Ching Ching. With the
0: Outer Worlds, it was kind of more of a passion project, very small team. Uh pre Xbox purchase, Obsidian has always throughout its history been kind of kind of on the edge, you know. There yeah. have been points where they've, you know, like skated near financial disaster. But with Avowed. Now they're like financially secure. They're owned by Xbox, and I think Xbox really wants them to be a high-profile Cadillac, uh, catalog publisher. I think they'll pour a lot of money into this, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Avowed turns out to be just enormous.
1: Yeah, I can see Microsoft wanting its very own Bethany Esda.
0: The... Yeah, and if Avowed is anywhere as well, anywhere the size of Skyrim, and has. And is anything similar to it? I mean, I think it could eclipse Halo Infinite and a lot of the other games as the system seller, the game that you buy an Xbox for.
1: Uh, it could be a really big deal. It could, especially since... Um, I'm not hearing the greatest buzz around Halo, so this might be a surprise pick-me-up. Everybody is ragging on the graphics. <laughs> Everyone, there's like that poor little brute who's like supposed to be so threatening and intimidating. Everyone's like, aw, he's Shrek. The... The meanest
0: meme I've seen is when they took that brute and put them on the cover of an old Xbox game. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which is just the Oh. The Xbox Series X is being held back by the fact that it is cross-gen and supposedly yeah, you're supposed to be able to play every single game on either Xbox One or Xbox Series X, right? Yes. Well, you can't go full bore with graphics, right? No, you are going to do not. that. No. Second, Xbox, Halo Infinite is going to be emphasizing scope over graphical fidelity. Yes, definitely. It, it's going to be an open world game. And third of all, it's supposed to be evocative of Halo Combat Evolved, a game that came out in 2001.
1: Jeez, has it been that long? It has. It's supposed to
0: be a nostalgia thing. It's yeah, supposed I... to be style over substance.
1: I actually thought the game That was actually fine. what I mean.
0: It's supposed to be style over graphical fidelity.
1: Yeah. And I think that the game looks fine. It didn't blow me away. And someone pointed out there was quite a bit of clipping going on, which is like a little discouraging because Xbox, you know, to be fair, Xbox has been pushing this as, oh, the new engine and graphics, blah, 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 graphics, graphics, graphics. It's our breath of the wild. Yeah. And it's, that's the thing. Nintendo, number one, are geniuses at stylizing their games. Like, hey, the Switch can't, push anything powerful we're making our damn game out of cardboard and it's going to look great and it does whereas uh, Microsoft doesn't really have that going on with Halo of course it's just as you said except for that nostalgic sort of Halo look and Nintendo's not going around saying that the Switch is the most powerful thing on earth because of course it isn't but Xbox is saying our system is so so powerful so having a, an okay looking Halo game to to preview the whole thing was probably not the greatest move in history, and that's not me being mean to the game. I think an open world Halo is something I might even get into, but I, I understand also why people are a little bit. Uh, what am I looking at?
0: Nadia, we have some breaking news. Ooh, oh, I love breaking news. Dun, 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 dun. During the recording of this podcast, the Sweetening creators announced RPG Ayudin Chronicle Hundred Heroes for PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. Oh, hey, that's pretty damn cool. It is by the creator of Suikoden. It is a spiritual successor. It's getting kickstarted, and it looks beautiful,
1: Nadia. Those graphics are really good. That explains why I just got a, a, a message from a friend, who, and I can't read the whole thing because I'm recording, but I just saw, oh, my God, Nadia, oh, my God, Kickstarter. So that explains Jason that. Jason Schreier is currently freaking out. Jason Schreier just funded the whole thing, probably just by the time <laughs> that this recording is done. They're seeking $500,000. That's doable. It is led by Suikoden 1 and 2 veteran
0: scenario writer Yoshi uh, Taka Murayama, oh. alongside series veterans Junko Kawano, Osamu Komuta, and Junichi Murakami. The project marks the first time these four creators have worked on a game together, as well as the first time Murayama and Kawano have collaborated in 25 years. Wow. The first thing we decided when our members came together was, it's about time we make a really interesting game that ourselves want to make, the project lead said. We chose Kickstarter in order to make an interesting game with the players in mind, hold the rights to the planning world and story of the game, all while keeping the fun of the project. Please lend us your support.
1: (laughs) That's pretty amazing. I'm really looking forward to that. I I can't see anything right now. Are the graphics uh, sprite-based? Yes. Hell yeah. I'm on board. It's
0: like 2D isometric, and the still screenshot just
1: immediately, I'm like, yes, I'm into this. It looks like Suikoden. So this could actually, you never never really know with Kickstarter projects, but this really does sound like it could be what our hearts have been yearning for since Suikoden 2 or 3, in some people's cases. Speaking to
0: Gamatsu, Murayama said, Aiden Chronicle is about war, more importantly the intentions and feelings of the hundred heroes who fight that war from a variety of perspectives and for a variety of different reasons. And of course the drama that can only occur when a group of different people from different walks of life come together and must wage a war of life and death. And the many characters that participate in this war aren't just pawns added in as war fodder, they have a living breathing soul and begrudgingly must fight to protect the things they believe in. Additionally, there are non-combat specialists, researchers, and other heroes on the periphery that can help win or battles or lose them. In each and every one of them is a living, breathing character that the player gives life to through their choices. Oh boy, this sounds really good, Nadia.
1: It sounds really amazing. I still hope you can recruit a unicorn.
0: Muriyama continues, some characters are good at some things and bad at others, but if you combine them with other characters that can strengthen their weaknesses, you can end up with a really balanced team. And based on that delicate balance, your team may be more apt at mining or adventuring, which will affect the overall game progression loop. One of the core game loops in Aiden is to experience a wide variety of different characters. There will be a fortress town that grows in size and ability as a key system. There are guilds that you can join, which you can largely change the visual makeup of your fortress town the more people you recruit, the stronger the snowball effect. As you level up, new trade options appear. You need to make choices whether to strengthen your walls or hasten your progress. And this is just the tip of the iceberg.
1: Wow. That sounds amazing. Nadia, that, it's happening. It's happening. GIF. Ron, Ron Paul GIF. It's happening. That's really, really exciting. Is this our first reaction pod? <laughs> I think so. I don't think we ever had like a live like interruption like breaking news. And I knew it had to be big if you were stopping the podcast to break the news. I mean, is this really big news? Like,
0: because we were kind of waiting for it, but we had to get recording because I have to get to an event in like 20 minutes or so. So I actually have to cut <laughs> this off uh, uh, relatively soon. So this podcast is literally just going to be us talking about all of the different RPG news. But in fairness, there's been a lot of RPG news this past week.
1: Yeah. Plus this interruption like, hey, cat, we got to throw another uh, uh, wrench into your plans here. So this is what
0: I was going to say. I was going to I was pretty skeptical Going in because I was like, well, well, he was involved with the Alliance Alive and you, Nadia, were like, is it good? And I posted that scene from uh, Mad Max Fury Road where he's going,
1: mediocre,
0: (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yes. I mean, it was fine. It was okay. It was a... Kind of old school, crusty RPG, required a lot of grinding, did not really stand out. It was a budgeted it was a budget thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Did not mm-hmm. have the prestige around it. Whereas this feels like a true spiritual successor to sweet it in. I am instantly hyped. They're getting the band back together, Nadia. Yes, that's the big it's thing. It's happening.
1: It's happening. They're getting the band back together. That's really important. It sounds like just from the descriptions. That you read to me, that they understand what Suikoden was to people and what it was to them. And they're like, okay, well, we can't have, we can't call the Suikoden, but guess what? It's Suikoden. I mean,
0: we put Suikoden 2 very high up on our top RPGs list for a reason. Yes. It is phenomenal game. Uh, there are so many ways that it can change based on who you recruit the heroes. All of the heroes themselves feel like really interesting, kind of fleshed out in their own way uh, the fortress mechanic is
1: really great i love the fortress i'm glad that's coming back but i'm not surprised it's coming back
0: it has multiple different endings that kind of thing it is such a wonderful meaty rpg and uh, you know and this game looks gorgeous it looks beautiful nadia you gotta look at the screenshots for this thing
1: i can't wait until like they don't probably don't have like a uh, an expected date of release do they
0: uh, no, they're kickstarting it right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just kind gonna... of... I want it now, though. I want it right now. Please look forward
0: to it in five years.
1: Uh, hopefully I'm alive in five years now, but hey, something yeah. live it's something to look for. It's gonna be a while before this thing comes out. It's funny, though, like, we were talking about this whole episode was supposed to be about next-gen RPGs and what we want to see from them, and it occurs to me I want variety. I want to see, yes, worlds where you can explore the whole thing, like, you know, Breath of the Wild, and you got your horse, and you just gallop and you have fun. But I also want these these concentrated experiences that really get to the heart of what made great RPGs great. And I like seeing these developers kind of break away from these publishers that don't really care for their work unfortunately and do their own thing and say, you know what? I love Suikoden We know how much it means to people. We know how much it means to ourselves. We want to do this, so we're gonna make it. And yes, this isn't exactly an RPG that's gonna be like high fidelity, holy crap, look at all these amazing 3D graphics, but it is going to be gorgeous in its own way. And it will still be able to run on the Switch. And that's the kind of variety I want to see in my RPGs as we come into the next generation.
0: So I am of uh, many different minds about this, Nadia. I bet. So over on the site I wrote an article along the lines of, Ghost of Tsushima pretty much sums up this generation. And it was... I would say kind of a tired sounding cynical article. It's not my favorite thing that I've ever written, but the general thesis is that Ghost of Tsushima is about this push to go with what works in this generation because you can't really take any risks with these giant budgets. There are so many games. There are like 8,000 freaking games coming out on Steam alone. You have to stand out in a way. And the way that you can stand out sometimes is just to go with tried and true mechanics and with really good graphics and Sony's budget, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: sometimes um, that is the right way.
0: And Suikoden and them rebooting Suikoden in their own way, a spiritual successor, that's that's that again. They know that there's a market for this. They know it's what people want. It's not going to push the genre forward in any
1: way, shape, or form. Well, no, but Suikoden is so unique on its own. There's only mm-hmm. Suikoden. Only Suikoden is Suikoden because you think about that six-person setup and everyone kind of leaps at the enemy at the same time. And all the other, like, really meaty things that go on surrounding the main quest. I don't know. I just feel like Suikoden, Suikoden. It's been so long since we've had the real the real root of what Suikoden meant. And that was, in my opinion, Suikoden 2.
0: Well, they're just, but they're running it all back with these mechanics that were from 20 years ago. And that's fine. Like, I think they hold up really well. They do. I'm just saying that we're just with SMT3, honestly, and Fable. <laughs> and to an extent about we're getting what works we're, because they know that that this is what people want we're going to give it to them kind of uncritically it's probably going to be really executed really well there's not a huge amount of ambition in trying to push a genre forward and part of me is going yeah that's fine you know just executed on it really well i don't care i'm sure that this game Uh, from the sweetening creators is going to be amazing. I'm sure Mm -hmm. that Avowed is going to be amazing. It's going to give me many hours of enjoyment. But the other part of me is going, yeah, but it's the same old shit that I've been playing for 20 years, part of my language.
1: I think someone, there's always someone out there innovating. It's just a surprise when it happens because, well, that's what innovation is. Innovation is a surprise. Sometimes Nintendo comes out with something completely off the wall. Sometimes, you know, an indie developer comes up with something really strange that that really sticks like last year how many of our games were were that we honored had any were like anything we'd ever played before like disco elysium can you really say that's like anything you've played before
0: no i mean yeah and there were definitely creators out there innovating for sure uh, i think it was i think my only point was that games like SMT3 Remaster and Fable and now this game are a little bit endemic of this desire to, well, there's so many games, we should go with what works because this is what people are going to want. And there's a fundamental kind of conservatism in the way that people are approaching this. That's all I was saying. Yeah, I, I totally side agree of that, with you. The yeah. flip side of that is we haven't had a it in a long time, a exactly. legit in. This game looks gorgeous. I love the art. And frankly, this game is wholly in my wheelhouse and I should not complain at all (laughs) because anybody who knows me knows that I am obsessed with games where you create, where you recruit huge numbers of characters, huge parties, right? Yes. And this game sounds like a dream come true. I'm building a fortress. I'm recruiting huge parties. Perfect. Boom. Give it to me. I want it. (laughs) Yeah. That's made for cat pretty much. This is cat the game. (laughs) (laughs) At Bailey is, the game. This is as close as, uh, this is the second best thing to getting a new Valkyrie profile, in my mind.
1: Yeah, I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from there, although I don't really, I have not played Valkyrie profile, so I can't say it's the, best, the next best thing to that. You should play Valkyrie profile, like,
0: if you really miss Suikoden, I think you might really like it, Nadia. I probably would. I should emulate it. <gasps> Gasp. Gasp. Well, I mean, you can spend like a hundred
1: bucks and buy it off eBay.
0: No. Do you have a uh, Do you have a PS3 launch
1: edition? Uh, for some reason, my brother gave us his, and he gave us a stack right. of NHL. He gave us there a stack of NHL games. Like, why am I going to play NHL '98 or whatever the hell he gave us? <laughs> all right, so that is kind of all of the RPG news. Uh, we, we ended on a high note, Nadia. We did. No, that should happen more often. More, hey, everyone, release more surprise announcements for good RPGs, please. While we're recording, thank you.
0: I, I'm really glad that we were able to react to this in real time because oh boy, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I am, Me too. I am excited. I wonder if just like with though, everything, it. I had to kind of like slag it a little bit and be like, yeah, "But it's not <laughs> innovative." Be not innovative. Where's the ambition? Yeah. No, in my heart, I'm really, I'm genuinely thrilled to be seeing this. It's a nice this piece is, of nice news. This is. This is seriously way more than I could have ever expected. He was like teasing this announcement and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. So you're making Alliance Alive switch, big deal. Yeah. That, that <laughs> I, I didn't want to be attention. like, I didn't want to be mean about it, but I was kind of like really downplaying it. I was like, yeah, so what? The speaking in Mediocre. scenario creator is teasing a thing. But now I'm like, oh, okay. So
1: this is really something I should be excited about. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I'm sure by the time I check my Twitter, I'm going to have a thousand mentions pointing me in the direction. Also, I look forward to the
0: one Alliance Alive fan on who listens to this podcast <laughs> writing me an angry <laughs> email. We love you. <laughs> All right, let's continue on to the track of the week. All right, Nadia, every single week we do the track of the week which is devoted to the music of rpgs picking a select track and kind of talking about the context around it and why it matters and helps shed a little light on a game this week we have a track from shimigami tensei 3 see if you recognize this song yes that is yosuga which is one of the ending themes from smt3 nocturne and i actually went to katie who is the smt3 fan on the staff and said hey katie what can you recommend a song that we can listen to for the track of the week and she recommended this one quote i always like this ending track um she didn't really give any particular reason for it but it is really (laughs) relaxing um (laughs) And then she added, Also, it has truly the worst battle music, lol. Does it really? I don't think so. It sounds like your typical kind of persona, guitar-heavy music. Uh, it's clearly by Shoji Meguro, who uh, was one of the main composers on SMT3. It's fine. It's it's pretty typical pretty typical SMT slash persona battle music.
1: Yeah, I might like get in trouble for saying this, but I never thought... Well, it's like I like Persona 3's battle music, but... Uh, mass Destruction, I think it's called, but if I had to listen to that over and over again, I'd probably kill someone. Persona 3's music? Yeah, the battle music there. Uh, I think it's really good. It's baby good, baby baby baby. Yeah, if you listen to that every single time you got to an encounter, like, doesn't that drive you up the wall? No, absolutely not. That is funny.
0: It actually works really well, because, first of all, when you're, you're getting the baby, baby, baby when you're starting the battle. Yeah. So it's kind of the it kind of gets you into the mood for it and then it goes back into the background
1: that's fair yeah
0: um i guess And uh, then the
1: ooh yeah da
0: da 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 is like kind of gets you back in like it picks up the pacing of the music right so you're just kind of like bopping along to it while you're fighting the monsters so Actually i think that it is the best <laughs> i think it is the best of the uh persona 3 4 5 battle themes
1: I think I like Persona 4's best. I do like uh, Persona 5's as well, but Persona 5, after listening to it 50,000 times, I'm so glad they changed that up in Royal. I was ready to just be like, you know what? Screw the world. Lucifer can have it. Well, We're doing that thing again, Nadia. (laughs) With Lucifer? We're talking about Persona, but we should be talking about SMT. Oh, oh, apologies (laughs) to SMT. You will get your day in the sun, I promise. All of the SMT
0: fans are going. Wash.
1: Typical but Persona
0: fans can only talk
1: about Persona when they should be talking about SMT. I will say though, this song is is very nice. Has a fantastic bassline. Yeah. So this is
0: from one of the endings. It's uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it in particular, but I I did watch the ending and it was very pretty. It reminded me a little bit of Final Fantasy VIII in a way. In the way that it was all of the shifting imagery. And
1: mm, very JRPG, very Oh yeah, so much 2000s so. 2000s JRPG. Yes.
0: Uh so there were actually three composers who worked on SMT3 Nocturne. Uh there was Shoji Meguro who I already mentioned, we've discussed in previous episodes and you can totally tell that the battle theme is his with the the guitars and everything. Mm, that is Peak absolutely. Meguro right there. Uh Toshiko Tasaki who's been around game development since 18 18- 18. <laughs> uh, no. 1989, um, and they worked on Asteianics. Uh More recently, uh, they've been working on games like Octopath Traveler as a sound designer.
1: Oh. That also has a fantastic
0: soundtrack. And wrote the lyrics for Digital Devil Saga, and uh, was the com- sound composer for Ocuba's Beat, the Ocuba games, and helped comp- pers- uh, compose Persona 2, Innocent Sin. Mm. So... Uh, they've been around for quite a long time. And then we have uh, Kenichi uh, Tsuchiya, who has been around since 1996, uh, worked on the original Persona and Persona 2 and Eternal Punishment and uh, Nocturne, and was one of the main composers on those games. So, um, And more recently, uh, contributed a bunch of music to Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal. So they're... nice. They're more involved with SMT, where uh, uh, Tasaki has since moved on to games like Octopath Traveler.
1: I do like how that whole design, that whole sound design team is very tight and has been around for such a long time.
0: Yeah, uh, it sounds like Meguro and Tasaki and everybody have been kind of working together on a lot of different projects. And I think that really shows in just the very distinct stylings of the SMT and Persona soundtracks. Like, you you know when you're hearing a Persona song, and that is definitely the case with this song.
1: Yeah, you really do, uh, especially in an age where more— Did I just more... say Persona again? SMT. Uh, you said SMT. You definitely
0: <laughs> know when you're hearing an SMT song.
1: <laughs> but uh, this is an age where, obviously, a lot of freelancers do like, soundtracks for, for games these days, so I do like the fact that there's still a dedicated team to Persona, SMT, and that's their specialty.
0: Well, it sounds like Tasaki has moved on and become more of a contractor, or at right. least now might part. be working for um, uh, Square Enix, or for a different studio, if they're working on Octopath Traveler and Akiba's Beat and that kind of game.
1: That's true. But there's yeah. still a very solid core at Persona's uh, sound design team.
0: Well, I mean, with Shoji Meguro, you know. Exactly. Uh, who I would argue is up there as one of the most legendary composers. Oh, absolutely.
1: He deserves yeah. to be with uh, Yuamatsu and Mitsuda, easy. But uh, this particular song, just I find it very relaxing. Me too. Very... I'm going to add it to my my playlist for chilling out while writing. After
0: kind of the weirdness and intensity of SMT3 Nocturne, this is the the denimont. The like, okay, long exhale. You're done. <laughs> breathe. It's over. And breathe. I'm looking forward to playing SMT3. Me too. Now that I'm, I think about it,
1: I'm looking forward to that in SMT5.
0: Okay, let's continue on to the mailbag, Nadia. Last week, we talked about Paper Mario the Origami King. People really responded well to that episode. I It was, it was fun mm-hmm. having Andre on. A it was. Good He's a good guest. And we pitched Persona 5 Mario, which is a game that I actually
1: wouldn't <laughs> mind. playing. I want it.
0: Uh, Kyle Latino says, I pre-ordered Origami King before I knew it wasn't Thousand Year Door, but after finishing it, I enjoyed the game more than I ever hoped. The minigame combat feels solidly in conversation with Deltarune and other RPGs, so don't, don't think menuing or grinding is all that fun. The writing is lovely and at times arresting. As a longtime RPG player who shed 90s tears for Porom, Porom and Palum, this game has a moment or two that deserve recognition among the great scenes in the genre. What also impresses me are the slow and solemn moments in cafes and then at benches. I do agree with Kat that it might be time to let the Paper Mario series go. If they did, Origami King is a high note on which to leave. Congrats to Masahiko Nagaya and team for a wonderful and memorable work and all we can hope for of our short time together is to make an impact and the Origami King team certainly did. So there you go, some positivity, Nadia.
1: There's actually a, a lot of positive buzz around Origami King and I was happy to see that because no, it's not thousand-year your door too, as I said a million times, but it's still a really lovely little game. There are a couple of surprisingly emotional moments uh, I actually was rewatching the ending the other day, and it, it really kind of hit me. It was is a is a cute little game with some very, very deep emotions, surprisingly.
0: So you're saying that when people judge a game on its own merits and not against this pet game that they put on a pedestal, they can discover that it actually can be pretty good. It happens. It happens. Muj-han, uh reacted to our discussion about grinding that we mm-hmm. had last week. Our our huge falling out. <laughs> we are not friends anymore. Uh, As for the newsletter, grinding is alright if it's in tiny bursts over the course of the whole game. Maybe walk around town until you run out of MP to rest at the inn and get an extra piece of gear you might not have been able to afford to if you didn't. Or maybe you didn't have time to travel to the next town, but just enough to get another level on the bus. Minor things like that I can deal with. It's when the game has major roadblocks where you'll just die if not the right level. Playing on harder enemies in Dragon Quest XI S is kind of like that, but I did it to myself so I can't really complain but I also enjoyed the harder fights against the bosses that when I played it on normal on PC. When I play a game like Dragon Quest XI S, I fight every single battle just to make sure that I don't have to grind later.
1: That's a that's a really good philosophy. It, I'm actually quite paranoid about that sort of thing, and I, I do every encounter, because uh, when I was younger, a young RPG fan, I had no idea how the genre worked. I would run away from every battle, and then I'd reach these... these points where i could not progress any further because i was not the right level and i'd just die and it was kind of traumatic
0: i always feel perpetually underleveled in rpgs i would yes. always read the game fat the game faq and be like he would be like you should be level 26 here i'm like oh crap i'm level 22 <laughs> i'm
1: level 18
0: yeah uh well it always feels like i'm like three or four levels behind because i won't just sit and grind in a particular
1: area right Now, I find in most cases, if you're not looking to grind for anything special, you just fight as many encounters as possible. Like, don't run away, which most RPGs make it freaking hard to begin with to run away. So just keep on fighting. You should be fine.
0: An original gentleman uh, reacted to our discussion about the anime and kind of going, do we really need all of these adaptations? Like, just play the freaking game. But then, of course, I made the point that... Well, you know, Castlevania is a dead series, so you can't really, yeah. you're not really getting anything new. So it is kind of nice to return to this world. And they said, a point you made, Kat, that it was okay to see a Castlevania anime because the series is dead. Well, I'd prefer a sequel. Dragon's Dogma is kind of dead right now, too. It is an amazing game that keeps getting ported, but there's no news on a sequel. It is in a similar place. On a past Axe of the Blood God, the topic was about RPGs that deserved another chance. For me, Dragon's Dogma is that game. It made grinding fun. Getting revenge on a monster that bullied you and being able to bully it back was a rewarding experience. <laughs> I could go on, but does anyone really want that? <laughs> not likely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that at the same time, though, is the Dragon's Dogma world the most interesting thing? I think a lot of people remember the gameplay and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, like there's another, uh, we just got news recently of Indivisible getting a series on Netflix, and it's just, I'm not going to be watching a lot of these, frankly. Though I'm sure people can
0: tell me, it's like, no, in fact, Dragon's Dogma has a very deep and interesting world with a lot of fascinating characters, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that if they, as long as they make it really kind of out there and really hit on some of the weirder elements of Dragon's Dogma, it'll be fine. But okay. That's all of our mailbag. If you want to contribute, you can send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or DM me on Twitter at the underscore cat cat bot. My DMs are open. Axel Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Make sure to listen to Branching Narratives. That's our other podcast hosted by Jeff Green. A lot of really great interviews um, in that series. I'm very proud of it. And, uh, man, there's so much coverage over on the site as pertains to all of the stuff that we talked about today i'm sure nadia is going to be writing at least something about this new rpg by this weekend people so that's a hint nadia no actually <laughs> i think you're on vacation next I'm week. i'm on so vacation you won't even va- be here next week yeah i won't be here next week so i'll be dreaming yeah. you'll be missed Ah, will i really
1: yeah but you should relax i should oh, i need a to relax yeah. frankly take a, take a rest i am go to the inn I'm going to the inn and having a pint. I'm going to Patty's Inn.
0: I was thinking more like, uh, you know, you go to the inn and then you can set the clock ahead like a week and then wake up and it's like, oh, well, I was asleep for a week, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an epic waste of time and I'd hate myself. We'll be back next week. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but we'll have some special guests. Please look forward to it. But until then, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring.